Hello, hello everyone! Welcome to Anime Ichiban! Gather around the campfire and sweep those leaves because it's fall and it's time for the first episode of the season. I'm your host, Matthew Pontier. This week I am joined by Kyle Rogashon. How, how, how are you doing, Kyle? Good. I think I had like three or four hours of sleep last night, so I'm in that pleasant headspace where I'm like spacey but enjoying well, it. Well, are you so wearing flannel? This will be. I'm not wearing flannel. I'm wearing a hoodie and a pair of gym well, shorts. Well, I think that might be your problem then, because, like, <laughs> fall season requires flannel clothing. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I have a bunch of flannel. I went to school in New England. I, like, that was, like, required wearing. Yeah, it's funny because I have no flannel, and I live in New England now. So, <laughs> I have lots of plaid. Not flannel, though. Oh, that, that's like a cousin to flannel. Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. But anyways, Kyle is the only one joining me today because Harry has a frog in his throat right now and can hardly speak. So... We decided that we'd be the kind slave drivers this time around and give him some rest, let him get his voice back. So it's just going to be us two lovely human beings for today's episode. Mm-hmm. And just start off with, like, we've both seen a movie recently, Kyle, correct? Uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It did not involve a bunny girl, but it involved... It didn't. A, I had to yes. think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not in the title. The full title is Rascal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Rascal Does Not Dream of Dreaming Girl, which was the direct sequel movie to the series Rascal Does Not Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai, which takes the award for most misleading title in anime existence, I feel like. But <laughs> we're not going to get into spoiler territory for this because we know it only came out in specific theaters around the U.S., but... Kyle and I are both huge, huge, huge fans of Bunny Girl Senpai, and we thought had very favorable opinions about this movie entirely. So, just you know, like your overall broad take on the movie, Kyle? How'd you how'd you walk away from the so, theater? How'd you, what'd you feel? Um, wondering if I l- enjoyed it or liked it. <laughs> um, and the distinction between those two is we had this conversation where. It, so the thing about Bunny Girl Senpai just as a series, as a whole, is that you kind of have to turn your brain off a little bit for some of the finer plot details. But that's okay, because what's important about the story is the emotions and the character growth that takes place in the in the way that the narrative is constructed using the kind of like pseudoscience that the series has a lot of fun with. Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say it has fun with it. Oh, so yeah, it's it like it introduces concepts like quote unquote quantum physics and like <laughs> unobserved phenomenon and just like stuff that you would like learn secondhand from somebody who like read a wikipedia entry on quantum physics (laughs) it it is not actual science at all but it is used to serve a point for the characters in the story and their emotional arcs and growth so to that point i walked out of the movie a little puzzled over some of the plot decisions that the movie made but ultimately I decided it serviced the characters, it serviced the themes and all of that, and I did like the movie. Right. And to give a little context to listeners who may have no idea what the series is about, um, so Bunny Girl Senpai, like Kyle said, it's 
a mix of pseudoscience and psychology in that it has to deal with these characters that are under some sort of psychological stress or societal stress and that um, psychological trauma manifests in some physical manner and the titular bunny girl comes in play and that the main uh, girl uh, my what's her name again last name Sakurajima so- yeah Sakurajima Mai so she is a prolific actress um, in the show and she just kind of wants to take herself out of the public eye not be the center of attention as much and that manifests in people not being able to see her anymore and so she kind of traipses around in a bunny girl outfit to test if people really can't see her because boy would that be eye-catching and then sure enough our main protagonist kun is the only one that can see her it goes from there <laughs> another example is uh, main protagonist sakura his little sister kaide she is cyber bullied and that manifests as physical wounds on her body so it's things like that and they try to explain those phenomena with scientific it, explanations. It, it explain quote yeah unquote. quote unquote it's very hand wavy like nonsense essentially but it it's almost a tongue-in-cheek humor and it's like kyle said you just have to kind of accept that it's it's happening but that's not the point the point is to kind of highlight these kind of social situations that everyday people find themselves in and this quote-unquote mm-hmm. adolescence mm-hmm. oh no puberty is it adolescent syndrome or puberty syndrome i forget what they call it i think it swaps between the two depending on who's subbing but it's puberty syndrome adolescent syndrome uh just stuff related to your like teenage exactly years. yeah and so it's basically used as a vehicle to show really show how these societal issues can affect individuals everyday individuals as well and it does so very very effectively something the show is also very good about is just the dialogue and banter between the characters you grow to Mm -hmm. love 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 the relationship that sakura and mai has by the end of the show and that is definitely put on full display in the movie which is a direct continuation of the series so do not do not capital d-o-n-o-t watch the movie before watching the series yeah you're going to be very confused by a lot of different things. yeah and the emotional payoffs will definitely not pay off for you uh but yes i, I don't think anybody could even go into that movie yeah just yeah because watching the movie alone. the movie what definitely caught my attention right off the bat was just the breakneck pace that it went off it was just there yeah. was no i was expecting the movie to start and there'd be like a short recap of like hi i'm sakata i'm this jaded high schooler who just goes through life and oh by the way there's these weird things that happened it's like no it just started right in it's like okay i'm with my oh hey this girl is here oh my's jealous she has a knife go and we're just going and we had the first the, but the, but the, it already trusts the viewer to remember who these characters exactly. are exactly it it's it basically says we expect you to have watched the show if not then fuck you you shouldn't shouldn't be here kind of um but i i appreciated that especially remembering how the hero academia movie went where like the first 10 minutes was a recap of like seasons one and two Mm -hmm. like come on exactly like i already know who deco is and what he wants to do Mm -hmm. yeah so i definitely appreciate that the movie respects Mm -hmm. the viewer's attention and uh patience essentially that yes Mm -hmm. uh the the emotional payoffs are definitely definitely grand in the movie of all the messages the series has shared to the viewer so far i think the movie has the most important one and i'm not going to spoil what that is um Mm -hmm. there are like kyle said there are some finer details about how they executed it but i think emotionally i came away exceptionally satisfied logically i came away with like 
very median <laughs> well. But I don't go into Buddy Girl Senpai it, for it, like that, a, I, I I will say like like we were talking uh, about before, that's very par for the course for Bunny Girl mm-hmm. Senpai. During a lot of the show, it's like you, you do just accept that certain mechanics work the way the show says it does. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is not Steins Gate. Oh yeah, absolutely not. Did not go into this expecting <laughs> Steins Gate. No, 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 no. But yes, yeah, so that, that's all we'll talk about for the Bunny Girl movie. Uh, hopefully some of you got to see it. If not... Uh, it... I was surprised at how packed my theater was. I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. most anime, like limited run anime films now because they are so well, limited. Specifically, but I mean, like I, I expected Primari to have like a decent audience right, yeah. because you know people know it's Trigger, it's a standalone movie. But for Bunny Girl Senpai, I was surprised how many people were there because that requires people who have watched the first season. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, my, my theater so. was packed as well, and I had a friend that went the second day, and he said that day was packed too. So it's it's not it it makes me happy that. The series gets mm-hmm. so much attention because the name really is just so goddamn misleading, yeah. and it's definitely well, turned I, off a lot. I think of people. what helps is that it's definitely one of those shows where it probably it, it's a it is a very good show. I would say it's it, it's a very high quality show, and you will have a fan base that knows the title is ridiculous and the promo materials are pretty you know waifu bait. Mm-hmm. So you have people basically evangelizing and going around spreading word of mouth mm-hmm. that this is a good show you should watch it give exactly. it a chance i wrote an article on it on guma stomp you should check it out that was how i got convinced <laughs> so it is a it, it is a good show. yes exactly all right want to jump into the news topics let's go all right speak what do you got speaking of emotional payoff so this happened literally the afternoon we finished recording the last episode which is exceptionally exceptionally unfortunate however we're going to cover it now and that year is 22 years later, Mr. Ash Ketchum has finally won oh my God. a Pokemon League. Right. The eternal 10-year-old has finally climbed his way up to be the very best in one region. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you still have people that are Pokemon fans? So here's know, the thing, I, I hadn't hmm. met anyone who followed the Pokemon anime in ages, and then just yesterday I met two in person, and they oh were God. over... I asked them, and they were over the moon stoked about this. And so to give some background, so like I said, the series has been going on for 22 years across seven seasons now. And so in the first season in Kanto, uh, Ash made it to, or Satoshi, as he's known in the Japanese audio, he made it to the the top 16. And then in Johto, he was made it to the quarterfinals. Hoenn, he was in the quarterfinals. Sinnoh, he was in the semifinals. Unova, he was in the quarterfinals again. And Kalos, oh which is the last season, he made it all the way to the finals and then lost there. And so he got second place. And so finally, finally, he won it all in the Lola. First place champion won the championship match against Gladio, the two Rock formations. And people are stoked about that. So much so that even ESPN got in on this. They made a tweet. Are you kidding? They have a tweet. Oh, they made a tweet. Yeah, okay. They made a tweet, which wasn't that big, but it's a very cute tweet. But then CNN made a full-on article about it. Excuse me? CNN has All a right. full-on article about the history of Ash and his league battles, which is... that It just goes to show... Because hmm. even though Pokemon isn't in the... I would say the, the core otaku space anymore, it still has a super wide-reaching uh, reach. Mm-hmm. 
outside of the standard Wii fan base. And ev- it's just iconic everywhere. Everyone knows who like, Pikachu is. Most people know who Ash yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely went from, I'd say, so when we were growing up, I remember back around like 99, early 2000s when, you know, the Pokemon movie came out and you had trading cards and like the uh, second gen- second and third generation, like there was a lot of buzz around, you know, kids our age so it was a lot more in the public eye but pokemon has just grown to such a point where it's more of an accepted like mascot exactly uh and like flagship series where people just know it on hand like i'd say more people more random people will recognize pikachu over kirby oh absolutely absolutely no questions asked um i would say pikachu it's, it doesn't match, but it, it, it approaches the level of recognizability as Mickey Mouse, I feel like. De- definitely up yeah. there. Definitely up there. So it's not it's, – it's cute that CNN would make an article. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we have a bit of – we have a twofer for Kimetsu no Yaiba. So Kimetsu no Yaiba recently finished up, and it was an exceptionally well-done final episode that I was not expecting. It was very – it was – so cool apparently they kind of rearranged the events a little bit from the manga to have this be the final episode or like the events take place in this final episode oh really i still need to catch up i've I've been (laughs) this always happens whenever i like get really impatient about like waiting for new episodes on a currently airing Mm -hmm. show i catch up with the manga and then i'm like all right i have no reason to watch the show because i know what happens but in this case you do because ufo table is just wizards (laughs) yeah 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 well the other part too about that is I have been very happy with, so I'm like episode 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're recovering at the Butterfly right. Mansion now. Um, and I do like how they're framing a lot of the events. Uh, they're giving more, they're giving more time for characters like Shinobu and Kanao to develop because they're introducing flashbacks much earlier in the time. Right. I, I definitely uh, so... empathize with Shinobu a lot more now. I will say my main gripe with the series as a whole is how they present those flashbacks, how they are not contextualized at all. They, oh, really? They just like the flashbacks just happen for the demon slayers and the demons themselves. Like when the, when the for the demons themselves, it's always right before they're gonna die, and so contextually, that's all that's happening die. is like they're thinking about it in their head, their head, and mm-hmm. it's not actually happening. It's they're not telling it to Tanji or anything. It's purely just for the viewer itself. There's no context for yeah. it. It's the same for the flashbacks for the Demon Slayer. So the, the flashbacks are very important to humanize both sides of the equation. I just wish mm. that they were executed in a more organic fashion. What that uh, fashion would be, I don't know. What it, I don't know. Mm. But anyways, that's not the news I wanted to talk about. Tiametsu is still great. Uh, just a nice little thing is at the, very, at the end of the credits, after the credits rolled for the final episode, they went right into a movie announcement for the infinity train arc which i'm sure that means a lot more to you than it means to me kyle <laughs> it's it, it's a, it's a good arc it, it's also like a really short arc in the manga mm. it's like 12 chapters which is why a movie makes sense for right. it it's just it's very cool that they it, because normally when you end a season and like i know overlord did it they'll be like and next season's coming eventually but in this case like oh yeah you're getting a movie instead which is pretty neat and the way they announced mm. it it was a cool visual and all that uh, mm. second season is implied to be coming afterwards but that also means that in order to watch the second season you have to watch this movie supposedly so that's interesting <laughs> yeah 
the other related Kimetsu piece is that a fun little uh, misunderstanding happened with the voice actor for Tanjiro, which is uh, Natsuki Hanai. Hanai. He was blocked by the official Kimetsu no Yaiba Twitter account. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Yes, and it's just a fun little humorous miscommunication. Basically, uh, the algorithm that kind of combs over the accounts that follows the official Demon Slayer account, it looks for certain mm-hmm. keywords in uh, the account's descriptions to determine if they're uh, spammers or bots and things like that. And Natsuki's mm-hmm. Twitter had the word bot in his official profile description. And it was a joke in reference to him posting cat content and that he's like a bot that oh posts God. cat content. And so his account was flagged by the show he voices the main character of. And so he was blocked from following and retweeting any of the posts from the Twitter. And so he tried oh to, cl- he went and he got the misunderstanding cleared up. But then, uh, even then, once the people went in and gave him the white, that whitelisted his account, it still got flagged again and he got blocked again. So he went like automatically, yeah, automatically because that's just oh how God. the algorithm works. So he went in and changed the word bot oh to B zero T and that's how he avoided the algorithm. So now wow. all is right with the world. He can follow the official Twitter again. It's just, yeah, it's, you look at that, you see that headline, you're like, wait, what, what did he do? And it's just a fun little misunderstanding. Which, it's it's no, thankfully nothing. Exactly. Which is <laughs> rare. When it comes to Twitter and social media, I feel like when it's something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, not not much to talk about there. Just a fun little (laughs) aside. Um, Speaking of UFO Table, though. So UFO Table has also done many fate works, as we've talked about numerous times. Uh, Kyle, are you familiar with the character Ilya from Fate Stay Night? Iliasville? Yeah, Iliasville. Yes. All right, so... Ilya is the short lol- Russian lolly that calls Shiro Onichan and plays a big role in Fate Stay Night. And she, excuse me, she stays in a very grandiose German style castle because she's named Ilyasville von Eisburn. And it turns out <laughs> that that castle is actually based on a real German castle on a real location called Chateau de Brizac. I probably butchered that name. Uh, it is Chateau. home to no, and it was the former home, home of nobles of French aristocracy. And the cool thing is, the reason for the story is that you can now book a room at this castle and stay overnight. But why? In the it basically, what's Ilya's castle? But okay, so is it being advertised as, "Hey, here's your anime castle, you fucking weebs"? Yes, pretty much. Oh, it, and you can wait. Actually, well, there's a Twitter picture with like a side by side photo from the official account of the castle. So, yeah, and oh my god, yeah, they are very accommodating. They even allow you to take uh, aerial and cosplay photographs on the premise. So it is that's incredible. It is ten euros for a guided tour for the day, and it's three hundred and ninety euros for a stay overnight, which is honestly kind of reasonable that's considering what it is. But yeah, it's still a lot of money. That's like about 400 bucks to stay in a castle overnight yeah to stay in your anime castle overnight that is actually i mean if you got if you got disposable income and you you know that's i i guess that's something that somebody could want yeah and also does Ilya have much of a fan base what does Ilya? oh Ilya has a massive fan base she has an enormous fan base yeah all right yeah she's super super popular absolutely Hmm. the the only thing is that from this article 
uh, I can't tell how much of the castle is explorable if like you go in oh. and you have free reign to the whole castle, which I somehow doubt yeah. um, because mm-hmm. this place is massive, but mm-hmm. it's, I'd imagine it still has to be at least a good portion of it, but either way, it, if I were able to do it for cheaper, it'd still be a really cool experience. And just seeing pictures of the interior, it is pretty intense. It is very mm-hmm. stereotypical middle ages castle. If you were to imagine that in your in your head it looks yeah. exactly like i mean that. like just from a purely historical perspective that sounds really interesting so i wonder how many people are going there explicitly for their weeb interest exactly yeah so, because anime pilgrimages so, are definitely a thing and it's rare that yeah. you hear one that's not in japan i saw in japan and that's like they're aware of it mm-hmm. and they're aware of their like cultural importance in a completely different area mm-hmm so and that's weird final final little note <laughs> is that this isn't the only castle that type moon was referenced for design it's also borrowed elements from germany's here we go get ready for a butcher neuschwanstein castle mm, yes yes uh for the exterior of england's Chat- chatworth's house the nostel priory and the haddon hall are also some other architecture this they've taken like hogwarts. In- inspiration from yeah just throw hogwarts in there at this rate I guess these all look like Hogwarts. Neuschwanstein. That that was a better way to say what I said, yes. Anyways. <laughs> German castles. Fun. Yeah. Moving on. We got news about Sony and Funimation. So as we know, Sony bought Funimation a year, a bit, about a, a little over a year ago, maybe two mm-hmm. years. And that's when Funimation and Crunchyroll split off from their collaboration. And since then, Funimation has had some pretty expansive growth especially in acquiring uh specific licenses it has the exclusive premiere rights for fate babylonia this season crunchyroll will get it later and so on and so forth uh sony pictures has announced on tuesday that it and anaplex are consolidating three of sony's uh, owned anime acquisitions being funimation that's based in the united states Wakanim based in france and madman anime group based in australia and joining them all into one joint venture uh, mm-hmm. One other point of interest is that Anaplex was under Sony Picture Television uh, Division, while as the other two groups were under Sony Music Entertainment. And so now they are all going to be under uh, Sony Pictures, which makes more sense. And that would imply that they are getting ready to make some more big moves on the anime licensing front. Meanwhile, cre- there's, there's money. What? There's money to be made there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm surprised it took him this long. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Crunchyroll, which is owned by AT&T, we have not seen any big moves from them in a while. I, I will say that Crunchyroll is definitely still more in the public eye. They have their Crunchyroll Expo. They have the anime, the yearly anime awards. What could be a big move? Okay, yeah. so for Sony, that makes yeah. sense, right? Because uh, they have all of these like disparate companies operating in different regions around the world. So it makes sense to globalize it and have it under one umbrella. But what can Crunchyroll actually do? Right, exactly. Aside from try and acquire new rights or like streaming rights for shows? Yeah, it's, it's. I know they tried to do their whole self-production thing. I don't know how that's going. Yeah, but that seems they like have a small that thing. Black Fox movie that just came out on their site. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, that's. I guess that is what they're trying to push for is kind of self-production to, even if they can't win a license, they can still have. They can still produce a a, a series and o- have ownership over it that way. Mm. But 
it's yeah it's it's definitely trickier for Crunchyroll because AT&T AT&T definitely doesn't have the wide-reaching influence that Sony does and yeah as far as like entertainment media goes exactly uh Hmm. yep I'm not sure if there's anything else to say about that one other last thing is that under Funimation's name they will cover 10 languages and 49 countries with about 300 employees Oh boy, yes. more streaming services to pay for. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I wish it was Funimation and Crunchyroll alone were enough, but alas. Maybe I'll pay for High Dive one day. I won't. Okay, moving on. We got our episodely stage play that I always have to talk about. Oh my god, more? There's always going to be a stage play, Kyle. When is are you this, going to get used like, to this? Like, even more ridiculous this time? No, no, this isn't that ridiculous. Okay. This is within yeah, the realm yeah. of believability. I'll give you a hint. This right. is based off of a sports series. It's a fairly... Uh, it's a beloved hmm. and aged one. Is it, like... Is it Hajime no Ippo? Ding, ding, ding! Right on the money! Oh, my yeah. God! Oh, they're making a stage play yeah. for that. Real Indeed. fighting! Right. Hajime no Ippo, the glorious stage, is what the stage play is called all right yep. i can do i yeah of, of like all of the like series to adapt yeah that makes sense exactly because yeah. it's it's a fairly grounded series yeah. and so that that i'd like to see that one like totally non ironically i'd be definitely down to hmm. see that all right yeah a uh, nice little tidbit for that is kohei kiyasu who voiced the who voiced ipo in the anime is directing the play and writing the script interesting yeah. uh, okay which, I don't know if he has any background in such things, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just got him because that's like a recognizable. I mean, give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe mm-hmm. he he's been with the character this long. Maybe he understands the story and how to tell it. So right, know. exactly. And I imagine good luck to him. I don't know how prominent Kohei is, but if he's done other works as well, he he's been exposed to the production process and what it's like mm-hmm. directing. Granted, mm-hmm. of course, anime and stage play are two completely different pieces of the media. Yeah, but. Uh, I'm like you said, with combined with his knowledge of the series and I'm sure his kind of passion for it, he can come up, he can make a good show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely would love to see Neat. that. Neat. That is definitely probably the only stage production I've been <laughs> actually interested in so far. Exactly. Maybe we'll because it makes sense. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. It, because boxing is a very real sport. It's not. Uh, yes, boxing is real. Yes, it's not like. Elmoloy shooting magic to solve cases, or what? Some other one, psychopath shooting guns that make people people explode. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What were the other ones that we found? Naruto. Oh, yeah, Naruto. I the I other guess. one. Yep, yep. So. This is the only one that, could, even if it wasn't based off of an anime or anything, it could ha- exist on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Quick update on weathering with you because we got to do that every episode as well. It has really, it's still relevant. Of course, it's still relevant. It has passed oh ten god. million tickets sold in Japan now. Oh my god! Which it hasn't even had an international release nope. yet. Nope, it's premiered oh at god. the Toronto Inter- International Film Festival. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And so currently in Japan, it is the number seven highest ranking domestic film of all time. Uh, care to take a guess? What is the last film that passed uh, ten billion tickets sold in Japan? In in Japan, yes. was it in the past? Just whatever the last years? one was. Uh, God, what would Avengers? No, maybe like Endgame or any Marvel. It's a very movie? obvious answer. Very obvious answer. 
Uh, what's Japan Super Indu? <laughs> You're gonna kick yourself if you don't get this. <sighs> I well, the way you make it sound, I am. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I give up. What is your it? name? Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty obvious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, All your right. name is the All last right. one to do so three years ago, and Makoto Shinkai mm. does it again, so he's two for two. Wow. Yep. Congrats to him. I look forward Hopefully to seeing it sometime in 2020. But depressing. if you're in the mm. LA area, you can look forward to seeing it at the Animation is Film Festival next weekend, October 18th through 20th, where Weathering With You will have its North American, or not the North American, U.S. premiere. It'll even have a Q&A with uh, Makoto Shinkai afterwards. It'll also oh, have the West Coast premiere of Ride Your Wave by, uh, I'm always blanking on that director's name, uh, Masaki Yuasa. That's right. Yes. So. Oh, oh, that's a new movie. Yeah, okay, exactly. Cool. And that's the one about surfing that I really want to see. Right. So right. if you are in the area, first of all, screw you. But second of all, uh, <laughs> you have an obligation to go see those movies because Weathering With You for sure isn't coming out until 2020, the rest of the country, for whatever reason. And Ride Your Wave, as far as I know, doesn't even have a window at all. So, take advantage if you can. Are you excited for either of those, those movies, Kyle? I'm. I really liked your name. Um, I kind of deliberately haven't really looked into any commentary on Weathering with Same. You. Um, all I have heard is kind of like the secondhand talk, where it's like it's the same kind of emotional beats that your name took which i'm not i don't have like fatigue on that i like my you know dramatic rom-coms so i i I, i'm excited for right i'm enjoying exactly it's because for me your name came completely by surprise for me because i was just at ax that year what i think 2016 whenever i was premiering in the u.s and I had no idea about it even when I went to AX. I just saw it on the schedule. And I'm just oh. like, oh, hmm. okay, yeah, I'll give this a shot. And I completely got the directors mixed up. I thought Makoto Shinkai was the one that did Wolf Children, which is not correct. That is oh. Momoru Hosoda. So I went in yes. thinking it was a Wolf Children director, and that's what got me to go. And so I, I mean, funnily enough, I'd say this is probably like the most like those kinds of movies that Shinkai's ever made, just because it actually is a positive movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then I went in and then they gave the, the introduction of like, Makoto Shinkai who has done five centimeters per second and for the, uh, a voice from the distant star. I'm like, oh, I enjoyed those oh, no. too, but this is different than I was expecting. What am I about to get yeah. myself into? And so mm. it was just a complete and utter surprise to me when I saw that. And so unfortunately now with Weathering With You, I don't have that shock factor. I kind of, I have an expectation of what to expect, and I'm still excited for mm-hmm. it, but it's it's difficult for me to muster what I feel like I should be excited. <laughs> like, I feel like I should be a lot more excited than I am, but I'm not. Yeah, I guess for comparison, like, I was very excited for Primari, mm-hmm. but that's largely because, like, I hadn't... So the last Trigger thing to come out, like, solo Trigger work, was Little Witch Academia. And it's been, like, a long time since Trigger did anything, like, action-oriented. Mm-hmm. So, it, your name's still pretty recent, and from everything I've heard, it's, like, similar enough in terms of, like, emotional tone. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, ah, 
uh, I'll watch it. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely interested in it, but I'm not like, oh, it's coming back. <laughs> that. Yeah, that's pretty much why I say it. Ride your wave on the mean other hand, though, I cannot wait for that one. Cannot wait, cannot wait. Especially because I recently found out that my parents are moving from California to Denver, which means that even when I go home, I can't surf anymore. Oh my god. So I'm going to be severely surf deprived, and it's going to make me even sadder when I see this movie. But that's all good. You can live vicariously through the anime. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, exactly. That's that's how you get through life. Here's how other people get through their life is uh, anime-related concerts in Japan. And so okay. concerts by voice actors or kind of like the Love Live-related uh, concerts, mm-hmm. things like that, they've been coming more and more prolific over the years. That ain't stopping. <laughs> so in the year of 2018... Those kinds of events saw a 10.5% growth from 2017's revenue. It grew to mm. 20 billion yen, about 185 oh million US dollars, from the previous oh year's 18.1 billion yen being 168 million dollars. Okay, is this counting? Okay, so is this counting just like all event-related sales, like merchandise and stuff, or is it just like price of admission? This is just live music concerts and voice actor events. Oh my god. Yes. Just that. And this has been growing. It's grown every single year since 2013. And it's mm. showing no signs of stopping. So we because and furthermore that a large proportion of that number is made up of you guessed it, Love Live and Idol Master events. Oh my god. Yeah. There's so much Love Live. Yeah. Like I I like Love Live, but god, Japan's on like a whole other fucking wavelength in terms of i didn't even know you liked love life at all (laughs) i i i enjoy it i like it's a guilty pleasure of mine i enjoyed love life sunshine the first season at the very least i thought that was actually Mm. a good show everything else maybe not so much it's 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 budget (laughs) k-on if i'm being honest is it budget k-on because i feel like K-On might be considered budget love life at this point. Oh, and- no, no, no. Okay, so, uh, all right, if we're getting into, like, like these Let's, kinds we might of as well like, talk music waifu now, yeah. debate and, like, distinctions, I would argue that Love Live and Idolmaster and, like, those kinds of things, they, they go for the quantity over quality in that, like, here's your flavor of waifu, sir. Mm-hmm. Would you like another? And a lot of the stories are, like, fairly oh, you're talking about- okay, you're- basic. Yeah quality in this regard. and you know okay. what to expect yeah. yeah yeah so in terms of like something that i think will have more staying power i think k on is still a fun watch to oh go yeah, back yeah. To. I, okay so when you said uh budget i i was interpreting production values because oh, in terms no, of production no, no, values no, no, no. love live and idol master blow k on out of the water <laughs> yeah 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 in, in terms of, I think, like, wh- what is more worth your time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would never recommend Love Live oh, no. to anybody. Nope. I just kind of wound up there. Mm-hmm. I remember I like the, the phone rhythm game came out in the U.S. And I was oh like, wait, God. what? And so I played it. And I, haven't, I hadn't even watched the show at that point. So I had no idea who mm-hmm. the characters were. And then eventually I watched the show and grew to hate Nico. And... <laughs> that was that and then i stopped playing the rhythm game but then i moved to when i moved to boston i met one of my friends david if you're listening to this i know he listens to this he is <laughs> the biggest wota you will ever meet like he has all the birthdays of all the voice actresses memorized 
Oh I like God. I gave him an entire channel in my Discord just so he could gush about idol stuff so he doesn't contaminate any of the other channels. Oh yeah. my God. But <laughs> just by sheer osmosis, I eventually got curious about Sun. Oh, no, no. I remember now. It's because there was a delayed viewing of the an Aquars concert happening in Boston. And I'm like, you know what? This will be fun. Even though I have no idea who these people are like, if anything, mm. idol concerts are a lot of fun, especially with people who get really into it. And so I decided I should at least watch the show going into it. So I watched Sunshine, and I thought it was a lot better than I was expecting. At least the first season was. And then I watched the second season. It was eh. It was okay. But I would So that's probably the best way I would describe Love Live mm-hmm. as a whole. It's better than I expected. Right. It's not good. It's better than I expected. Exactly. You just kind of have to... Yeah, you, I would never recommend it to someone, but there will come a time. You, you have to know what you're getting yeah. into. You have to know what you're getting into. It's a waifu show. Yeah. It's a waifu idol music yeah. show. With really good production values. I will say, like, all yeah. the dance sequences, all the CG is exceptionally mm-hmm. well done. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, whenever one of the songs starts, I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's Here go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want a good idol show, you should go watch a zombie land song. You should. We're going to get a second season of that eventually. And I think a movie? Uh, no, that's your camp. Yeah, that's getting a season yeah. two in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's also getting some other spinoff, like like Neuro Camp or something like that. It's like a short form. For what, what's it going to cover? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at that article because I, I came across it while I was uh, pulling news topics for today, but I didn't think it was big enough to cover. But yeah, there is some sort of short form project in plan as well. Good. <laughs> good and so never have enough theater camp when are we gonna get Idol. an announcement of that movie and second season what's it happening it's fall well, damn they it. already, no they already did they already did the announcement oh they did um it's coming january 2020 the movie that's the premiere in japan okay so it'll probably i mean we'll probably see it online within that month yeah. but as, i don't hmm. i wonder if we'll get it yeah, you know what if, if we'll bunny girl senpai got a movie and a u.s release he, you know a release here I highly expect. But the thing is, Bunny Girl Senpai is Aniplex, and Aniplex has a very, very prominent U.S. presence. Uh, I, that's fa- well. Who handles you? I'd have camp? to check, but it's not Aniplex. I severely doubt mm. it's Aniplex. I maybe it is, mm. but it doesn't strike me as an Aniplex show. But then again, the stupid mom isekai anime from last season was an Aniplex show, so I don't know anymore. <laughs> oh my god! I tried to watch one episode of that. Um, I watched all twelve episodes. Why would you do that? How would you do that? It's it's got such a weird energy to mm-hmm. it and a weird vibe because it's not an incest show at all. Nope. But it's almost as weird because it's about his mom who's a very pretty anime lady wanting to make him a harem, which is kind of weird. Mhm. And, and like I'm not, I'm not vibing with that. Yeah, and the fan service like, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like at its best, I was definitely mm. getting Konosuba vibes. Like once the full party comes together, their entire okay. purpose of each member is just to torment each other. There, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, there was one episode. I think it was episode ten. It was the only episode mm. where I walked away from like, you know what? That was just a good <laughs> episode. Like no strings attached. Unironically, that was just a good episode. Bravo. Every other episode, I, I walked away from it. was like, okay. One, one out of 12. One out of 12 is not a good indicator, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Matt. yeah. Every other episode, it's like, okay, you know what? That was good if I look past this, I look past this, I look past that, I look past mm-hmm. this glaring fan service phone right here. But other than that, no. it was okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I watched <laughs> it. It was 
I, I, one of the things that was funny, um, you know, and if you, if you frequent these kinds of circles, I, I thought it was very funny that I, I knew the artist who had, like, done all the character designs and like, basically, like, came up with the show. Oh, what else have they done? So, are they a hentai artist? Um, yeah. Of yeah, they they're a hentai artist. Yep. And they, they have a very distinct, uh, they, they have very distinct preferences. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Right. But it's very obvious. As, as hentai artists do. The Shokugeki no Soma manga artist was a hentai artist, which is very, very obvious in the show. <laughs> was he? He was a hentai artist, Who was yeah. it? Who was it? I don't know his name. That wasn't Hisasi, was it? What? Hisasi did another show. Yeah, Hisasi did that Netsuge show. Oh god, yeah. that one. God, that was so, that. God, that was another. <laughs> that was another awful show. Oh my god. Like I like fan service shows, obviously, but mm-hmm. like that one was just kind of insulting to my <laughs> intelligence. Good fan service Anyways. show. This. Uh, well, we're getting off topic. Anyways. Well, topic. Anyways, yeah. we're getting off topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we got the age of Terminator coming our way. Terminator, the, a- like... the AIs are taking over. Machines are going to rule oh. our lives because we have reached the point now where we have an AI that has used machine learning will draw a quote-unquote new Osamu Tezuka manga. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And so... I'm going to look this up. What's it called? The, the project is the first part of a company called Kyosha? Kyoxia? K-I-O-X-I-A. And it's part of their project Sekai Shin Kyoku, which which means the world's new memories project, and will show memories and will show machine learning's ability to enrich the world, is how it's described as. This feels kind of mm, yeah. I feel like people would be not cool with this. Yes, and I should have looked into if I could find any Reddit threads on this and things like that. But I have heard just from some of my friends that know about this. Yeah, they're not super cool with it. I don't know how Osamu Tezuka feels about it because at the very at best it would be mixed feelings most li- likely it, isn't I thought isn't he deceased? Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that that that's yes. that's also why I'm like this does not seem super cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um hmm. Hmm. So those th- those results will be showcased in February 2020. All right. Mm-hmm. And so they debuted so this isn't the only machine learning ai program that has been kind of in the works a company called duango debuted an ai program that creates in between animation in 2017 which in between animation and this is actually very useful because in between animation Mm. is basically so you everyone knows animation is drawn in frames it's drawn frame by frame by frame but there are still kind of the in-betweens are basically the drawings that go in between those frames go figure with the name but they're kind of they're i don't know how to really describe it. i can't describe the process so i think um one of the ways to think about it is if you watch like old looney tunes or tom and jerry cartoons you'll see this in a lot of uh modern like action shows as well or something where like there's a lot of frenetic action but uh, animators will use what's called smear frames where it's just like a blur uh and like shapes to as you're saying like fill in that in-between space from keyframe to keyframe which is like significant differences in poses or framing of a shot uh so that in between those in between frames are basically meant to convey that motion exactly while also not being a pain in the ass like 
to animate because nobody wants to animate at like 60 fps. Exactly, yeah. So because that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> In-betweens are to make that look smoother, so it's not just so I am robot jarring kind of thing. And mm -hmm, so, but mm -hmm. that still takes, even though they're not as intensive as the keyframes, they still take a lot of oh, effort. Yeah. So this program mm -hmm. to assist with the in-betweens, that was actually received very well by the animation community, especially yeah. given I how, that makes sense. yeah, given yeah. how well known the working conditions are in the anime industry, mm -hmm. how they are just overworked constantly. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like a, an application for a new tool, like when people use CG really well, Exactly. it's like, you don't really notice it. Mm -hmm. hopefully people make use of this right because it does seem like an objectively good tool for the animation mm -hmm. industry to have meanwhile uh a magica group and the olm G digital joined forces with the nara institute of science and technology and they developed a program that will assist with automatic coloring of frames essentially oh, yeah okay so this has been around for a Look while where it's always been like assistance what tools to uh, streamline the animation process. Come in, in areas mm -hmm. where it's more or less just busy work at that point. Granted, coloring yeah, is yeah, de yeah. definitely not busy work sometimes, but there are instances where it's like it's just black or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Anything to push that forward. But then this is this new AI program for this Osamu Tezuka manga is definitely kind of the the dystopian vision of machines taking over humans. Mm. And I almost <sighs> I almost feel like the best outcome for this is for, for it to look crappy. Because if it <laughs> well, yeah. Hmm. What are you gonna say? I don't know. I on the one hand, like I, I do think it's a, it, it's a weird like dichotomy, right? Where it's like you don't want to you know trample on human creativity, but you also want to encourage technological innovation. Mm -hmm. So, can those two coexist? Yeah, like you're saying, like maybe in worst case scenario, this is like, oh, we're just gonna have all of our shows and comics made with AI now. But I don't think, I don't think that that will. I don't, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't work in AI. Yeah, and I don't. <laughs> I it's unclear if this AI is supposed to write the script for it as well, or if it's just drawing. Mm. And it it's very yeah, it's very yeah. vague in mm. general what this new manga will be. It literally just says quote unquote new manga. New so, manga. Okay. Yeah, we don't. That could be yeah, anything. Yeah, we don't know how many pages. We don't know like. If it includes script, we, d we don't know anything about it. So if mm. anything, it will be interesting when this comes out in 2020 to see exactly what it generates. And then from there, we can draw more conclusions. Make judgments. But like you <laughs> yeah. said, either way, technology is going to advance no matter what. No matter what the results are, they're going to try and improve it to where they eventually mm -hmm. get to the point where it can make a manga from scratch possibly. And that's when you really get into the, the hairy details. Because, for example, if you're an up-and-coming manga artist and you publish a new series that is a breakout hit, how easy is it? Would it be for one of these machine learning programs to essentially trace that style and make its own series? So mm, that's mm. that's when it. So my friend was telling me about a story for the Google Play Store, and back in the, when the mobile gaming market was the Wild West, there was hardly any moderation whatsoever. And basically, how when there was anything successful on the Google Play Store or iTunes, there would be a hundred copycats of it the very next day. And so there was a presentation at GDC by these two developers where that happened to them. And they were so frustrated that they created a bot, basically, that would procedurally generate a new casino game, 100 new casino games every day, just like with slight variations, and then automatically submit it to Google Play. 
Oh my god. They over the course of seven months they made fifty five thousand dollars off of that program. That's that's upsetting yes. in a lot of regards. This was before <laughs> they finally really cracked down on that kind of shovel. Granted, like oh there's god. still a lot on the play stores, but that's why I'm, it's the same situation where if we get to the mm-hmm, point mm-hmm. where these AI technologies become that prominent, how easy would it be for these copycat manga to just crop up the moment something has popularity? Yeah. And I mean, like, creative spaces and, like, supporting creatives, like, in their work is already difficult enough. So this is just, like, another, it's another factor to consider, but I don't think it's objectively a bad direction to be moving in. It's just more things to think about. Exactly. (laughs) It's going to be interesting, which Mm. I say about a lot of things. Uh, You know what's not going to be interesting? Um my empty mug of tea you got the first right the first word right the no well i guess the second word empty no the one in between that mug no you said my i forget my yes all right what about my well (laughs) i mean that's part of it anyways my hero academia getting a second game announced oh god another my heroes one Mm. justice two when the first one just came out last year, if that it may not have even been a year yet, and mm-hmm. it was not received very well because Stop. it was an arena or is an arena fighter. It still exists. And Bamco, stop! But <laughs> arena fighters, by nature, aren't very good, and this was an exception. And yet here we are with My Heroes One Justice Two, another arena fighter. With more characters, including everyone's fan favorite, Minoru Minita. Toga? Oh. He is now right. playable. Oh, boy. That's what everybody was waiting mm-hmm. for. I just... I I recall seeing discussion about... It was either about this or something else, like a, like a JRPG, where people were saying that it's... I don't know if necessarily the population wants it more but it seems to be more of a trend in japan where regular re-releases are a thing with slight variations in between whereas in the west you kind of have more of an expectation that okay you're going to release a product and if you're going to add anything it better be free or if you're adding anything and we're paying for it it better be high quality Mm -hmm. like a lot of these like the fact that hyperdimension neptunia has gotten like 30 (laughs) fucking re-releases in the past 10 years and they expect people to pay for that, and people do pay for it, is nothing short of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, like, Koei Tecmo is the biggest offender of all this, always packaging Ugh. its games like the Super Ultra Definitive Edition. Oh, my God. And stuff like that. Yeah, it's it, it, that is very true, what you say. It, it's very much limited to the Japanese market. Because, yeah, we'll have definitive editions for Western games, but it will be years down the it's line like years yeah. after and after all the dlcs yeah. and come the DLCs out and you are know what you're getting yeah. Yeah. it's not just like yeah here's some extra costumes or here's like one new character in a muso <laughs> that how much value does that actually add to a game that already has 30 characters and so on and yeah. so forth so and this is kind of an extension to that where from what we can tell this the second game isn't adding anything new to make the first game better other than the new characters right. it can for all intents and purposes easily been a dlc especially given how soon the first game just came out mm-hmm. which makes mm-hmm. this extra puzzling again they're they're pumping it out yeah. at a full 60 dollar price tag because they want you to buy the yep. same game 
And this also just leads into another point. It's like, why can't we get more anime games that aren't either A, a Musou, or B, an arena fighter? Um, hmm, let me think about that. There's, there's got to be some other games. Well, yeah, that... I, I can name a few. So there is the Little Witch Academia I, I guess... one, which mm-hmm. is the Dragon, mm-hmm. a, uh, Dragon's Crown style side-scrolling beat-em-up. Yeah. Which was... Yeah. Received lukewarm. It was decent. It, yeah. it, it was okay. If you were a fan yeah. of the show, it wasn't bad. There was the... Uh, oh, God. There was another one I was thinking of. But anyways, there was also recently announced a fairy tale RPG uh, that I was interested in until it was shown that Gust is developing it. And I don't know about you, Kyle, but anything outside the Atelier series, I feel I don't like Gust games at all. I feel like they can oh, only well, do Atelier. What else have they made? They've done uh, Air No Surge, Air Tonelico, those games. Which, oh, yeah. and okay, also, I know of those. Yeah, and there's also <laughs> Blue Reflection, the Magical Girl uh, one, which was also kind of meh. It wasn't bad, yeah. but it was meh. All right. And so my That's... excitement for mm. the, this fairy tale game became tepid after I found that out. But we'll see. Maybe they can turn that around. Hmm. There was another game I, I was know. thinking of that wasn't. Uh, oh, the the uh, One mean, Piece one the... recently, the open world one, which was also oh, I heard that not one was good. Like not well, yeah, yeah. So why yeah, can't yeah. we get? A good anime game is what it boils down to, actually. I'm assuming it's probably the same situation as here in the U.S., where the people who own these the rights to these IPs don't care about the game. They just want a game made. So they kind of focus on getting it out as quickly as possible while adhering to, you know, what they think is enough to capture what they think fans want. Like, I, when was the last time there was, like, a licensed franchise game that came out here in the West that you enjoyed? For, like, a, a series, like a TV series, a franchise, or something. Uh, like, it'd, be, it'd have to go all the way back to the, the Naruto fighting games. The two, the, that's what I've yeah, heard. the 2D I've, fighting I've games. Not, I, I know the Storm games were received well, but I never really liked those, so... I guess that's the exception is that the Naruto Ninja Storm games, those were arena fighters, but people loved those games, but I, I didn't mm-hmm. like them. That's but what that, I've heard. That people liked them, mm-hmm. but I definitely, definitely, no strings attached, loved the 2D fighters. So, hmm. yeah, I guess it'd go back to all, all the way to those. Yeah, I can't think of any, well, I mean, even for any, like, franchises, like, all of, I, I know uh, Avatar The Last Airbender got a huge number of games, mm-hmm. but nobody really they got a platinum talks about game. them. Or Korra did. Oh, was that a platinum game? That was game a platinum too? game. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, maybe that one's good. I, don't I actually know. don't know if but, it's good or not. But go on. <laughs> for the most part, licensed games. I'm sure there's like a few exceptions, but for the most part, it's like okay, this is a little like barely above shovelware. Mm-hmm. I remember when the James Cameron Avatar movie oh, was happening, and they were developing the game alongside it, and they were making such a big deal out of this game. It's like, this is going to redefine what you think about licensed games. And... <laughs> Did it? <laughs> much like the movie itself that advertised similar things, it didn't so much and came out to be a very whelming game. It wasn't bad, uh, but it didn't just, leave a lasting impression it, it, on anyone. It was definitely a game. Yep. <laughs> it's, huh. Yeah, I, oh, man, I would love to see when that trend is finally broken, when we finally get By a, good game. a good licensed game. And it'd be even better if it was a good licensed anime game. Because I feel like, if anything, mm-hmm. we'll get a good licensed Western game first. I guess you could count all the Telltale games 
But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like okay. So I would like to see a licensed game that isn't just an adventure or visual novel. Right. Exactly. Because that. The strength of those is the story, right? And you already like the franchises and IPs for the story and characters. So give me some neat gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. So. Oh wait, I, I know one. I know a couple. There were there was mm-hmm. that that Mega Man type Konosuba game that got bundled with the Blu-rays. Oh yeah, mm, <laughs> I I don't, I don't know if I'd say those are good games, but they're definitely they're also like not big enough yeah exactly to like warrant I'm just trying any to think of real criticism at this point yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just reaching now yeah. um god yeah i well you know hopefully yeah. one of these days there's, I just, I, there's I can't the dbz kakarot kakarot game coming out which i guess fingers crossed that'll be good but i haven't really liked what I've i seen guess the dbz so far, games but... the, i guess the dbz games are always like decent i know uh fighter D- dbfc is like a, a mainstay in the fgc yeah but so again, that, like I, I just I want a game. Okay, we keep broadening our requirements, but yeah, I want <laughs> I want an anime game that's not an adventure game, not a visual novel, not a fighter of any sort, and not a muso. <laughs> Please. Uh, I mean that, that that's I, that, you're you're broadening, I guess, but those typically are like the same kinds of games you see pumped out by Japan. Exactly. So I I don't know what else they could make. So fair, this what, upcoming fairy tale RPG is the only thing that can possibly break wah, that trend wah. i'm not even a big fan of fairy tale but if they if they just make a good game then i'll be there it shows it's possible yeah. okay well, well we can dream that about wraps it up for the news we have this week had quite a bit to cover lots of neat little tidbits here and there some uh, big things that we had to catch up on from previously but yeah that'll bring it a wrap here it is time for i'm naming the segment now our main topic, uh-huh. because the main topic is boring, I'm naming it the Shitsumon. Which, do you know what the Shitsumon means, Kyle? Shit, Shitsumon. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think in like the limited vocabulary. <laughs> I d- room something. That is very wrong. Try one more time. Oh my god. Shitsumon. Well, what, 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 what characters are you using? <laughs> um, I can't think of the characters off the top of my head. Alright, just tell me. What is it? It means question. What? Question. Okay, I'm gonna send you my address, Kyle, and you're gonna send me your weave card, and I'm gonna throw it into the. Uh, you know what? Whatever. I'm like trying. <laughs> all right. It's it's hard. It's hard to study kanji every day. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I, I've been very behind in my kanji studies, but yeah, that's just one of the words that I've known for a bit now. Anyways, question. Yes, our main our word. main topic segment now is now known as Shitsumon. I'm declaring that, and this month's is it's fall. And Kyle and I both love a show called Yuta Camp. We've probably gushed about it on the show. You're probably sick of us hearing about it now. We're going to gush about it more once the movie and the second season comes out. I know. Uh, one of the highlights from Yuta Camp, though, is just the, the abundance of good food in that show. And so this season reminded us of that. We remembered of food. And we're just thinking, you know what? what, what are... Food has been very prominent in anime of all sorts. And something that I've noticed about food especially is that it's always so photogenic in anime even the most mundane sandwich looks like the most mouth-watering piece of morsel i've ever seen so we just want to talk about what kind of are our favorite uses of food in anime where have we seen it that really sticks out in our minds like you know damn damn so i'm gonna turn this over to you kyle what do you want to do this off 
I, I, I feel like, okay, so growing, uh, I'm going to say, like, there, there are two distinct periods where I've noticed food in anime. The first one was growing up, I'd noticed, you know, obviously all of the Miyazaki movies, mm-hmm. right? Because he, he oh, goes man, to that great lengths to make, like, away. Mm-hmm. Or, like, uh, the one that really sticks out to me is, uh, you know, Kiki's Delivery Service, where all oh, of the bread, the bread it just yeah. looks, like, so fluffy and fantastic and shiny. I want to go to that bakery. It's it's great, and I, I love it. And I think as far as, like, more recently, the one that got me really thinking about it was Shokugeki, mm-hmm. or Food Wars. Yes, I'm sure it did um, for many people. Yeah, and, like, just... So for that specifically, you know, it, it's a lot about like how how the food is part of the story, how the food is part of the you know shonen fights and all of that. But it it still does make a good job of do do a good job of actually capturing like decent cooking. Mm-hmm. I'd say like there there's some like good recipes or at least ideas behind it, and you can tell that people who enjoyed food probably worked on that. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's what I can recall recently. I'm trying to think of like other instances, but what what about you? Right. So my my favorite instances of food is not only when they look well, actually maybe not even only when they look good, but kind of when they <laughs> they serve a purpose to the story as well. And I'm not talking about kind of shokugeki is like the whole purpose of the series is food battles. Yeah, yeah. But the instance that comes to mind for me specifically is from a series called Erased. Have you seen it? Oh, really? Erased? Uh, I've been meaning to watch it. It's It's been on the perpetual to watch list. Okay, yeah. So to give people a quick rundown of Erased, it's definitely one of my favorite murder mystery thriller series out there. Basically, main, our main character has had this ability all of his life where if something bad happens around him, he's forcefully thrown back in time to the earliest point where he could prevent that bad thing from happening. So the example we get in the first episode is that a kid gets hit by a car, He's forced back in time to the moment before he goes and like shoves the kid out of the way and it's safe. And they'll he'll keep looping until he fixes the problem. So fast forward a bit in the episode, he comes home one day and he finds his mom murdered on the ground. And so then at that point, he rewinds all the way back to his elementary school days. All the way back to, I think, third grade. And so this huh. this time in his life is also the same time one of his classmates disappeared and was later also found murdered and so essentially this murder of his classmate has something to do with the murder of his mother x number of years in the future and that's the earliest possible point in time where he can prevent the murder of his mom and it goes from there Mm. and so without spoiling anything this child i think her name is kayo um the the child that goes missing eventually so so the main character's name is satori so his whole goal is to kind of prevent her from going missing at first so he does some investigating. He finds out that Kyle has family issues. She's been abused, and that's not really a spoiler. You find this out pretty early. And there's a scene where Satoru brings Kyle to his house, where his mother is there, and basically Satoru's mother serves Kyle her first home cooked meal. And this meal is very mm. simple. I think it was just almond rice or something like that. But when Kyle starts eating it, like it was just a dam. Like the the damn person like her emotions just completely flooded out she's never had such a warm meal with company like that before and she just bursts out in tears and mm. it is one of the most heartwarming scenes i've ever seen in anime and it was so incredibly well done it sticks in my mind so well and so that those are the kinds of moments where food serves a poignant purpose 
for the plot, for the characters, it means something beyond just the nutritional value it's providing. Mm -hmm. So as far as food and anime goes, there's uh, uh, like there, there are shows and series like that um, that it's because food in itself is a very it can be a very emotional experience because you have memories mm -hmm. attached to it. Um, you have certain like personal and like cultural background connotations to it. But I think what was interesting for me as far as food and anime goes is that well, Japan is a very different culture. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they also have very different food palettes mm -hmm. and like food just snacks and stuff like that. And for me, it, it's a lot of different instances of seeing food that I just never heard of and seeing these characters like have such an emotional reaction to it. Mm -hmm. um, so in the same way where somebody here in the U.S. might be like, oh my God, I'm like craving like a hot dog or what, what, what a, <laughs> like a, a muffin or something. I don't know. We, apple pie. Fried probably. chicken is probably what we'd be craving. Fried, fried chicken would be like a cultural, like Ameri a culturally American food to have like an emotional reaction with. But um something that i always remember is when i was first starting out watching anime like oh five oh six and i watched lucky star and i was like what what the fuck is a chocolate <laughs> coronet <laughs> yep and i'm like i actually just had one last night for the first time like ever and i'm like oh all right i can see why they made like the first an eight, eight minutes minute of the show about this, about this. Yeah. yeah it's like it, it it's such a so the thing about it too, and like, so with that specifically, it, it's such a neat look into the kinds of snacks that Japanese people are around and grow up with mm -hmm. and have as part of their life. So I feel like now I th there's that little like th there's a small frame of reference to have, right? Where it's like, okay, I I ate it. I'm like, okay, how am I gonna fucking eat this? It's giant. I can like go from the other end. I can like start with a chocolate, but I kind of want to save the chocolate for, and I get it mm -hmm. now, right? So it's just there's all of those small cultural things yeah. to it. You know, one cultural thing that I wish I could, well, okay, yeah. So I wish I could be part of this discussion is the the chocolate covered <laughs> mushrooms and the chocolate covered shoots. Do you see that? Oh, I love those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's always that debate within the Japanese uh, society of like, which ones are better? Which one's superior? It's is it the literally the, the same candy. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, <laughs> they, people get so heated about that. And the equivalent to that mm. is pineapple and pizza for us, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah see, they're, they're, that's a good one of like an American like cultural phenomenon, right? And it's like, it, at this point, it is a meme. Mm -hmm. But you know, you, it, it's very distinctly American. And having grown up with that, like we can joke about it. Um. And like so, I, I know growing up and going into like Japanese candy stores, it'd be like, what are all these different things? And then it was fun to see like a joke made in a show where it's like, oh, I, I think it was Lucky Star again because they make like <laughs> a bunch of like dumb candy jokes where they're like, they what, what they they put a straw in Coke, they like held it in and then brought it out and like, hey, look, it's Pocky. And Coke because it's like. Yeah, so you know how, like, if you put a straw in a drink, yeah. you cap off the top, and you, you can bring it out oh, when right. the liquid's held yeah. in the straw? Mm -hmm. So if you do that with Coke, you know, you get that, like, brown segment. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like, it's pocky. It's like, ah, oh, look at that. It's fun. <laughs> it's just, it, it's it's small things like that mm -hmm. that are, like, it, it's, it is just, like, small snapshots into another culture 
in not like traditional like okay this is our historical heritage and stuff like that it's I, I, I always like looking at other cultures pop culture right absolutely yeah, the especially with Japan because their snack industry is insanity mm-hmm. they have so many different mm-hmm. kinds of snacks and that's one of the many reasons I miss the cone beanies there because they have snacks oh my God. so many so many different unique snacks you could just you you could try something new there every week and I feel like you still wouldn't have to try everything in like a year it's mm-hmm. it, there's so much variety mm-hmm. not even including like the vending machines everywhere and so mm-hmm. yeah like you said when that pops up in anime and they do some sort of fun little bit with it and whether or not that actually is true in actual Japanese yeah. culture and society, yeah. it makes mm-hmm. you it it brings you to an understanding of what that food can mean for someone and the kind of uh, jokes that can come from it, which is really mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, go. One of the things that I would say, kind of under, I'm I'm usually like all of the food that gets shown in anime when I have it for real, I'm like mm-hmm. utterly impressed. And like, this exceeded my expectations. Like I saw bowls of ramen before I actually ate a proper bowl of ramen. I'm <laughs> like, this is as good as it looks in my Japanese. <laughs> the one that was very disappointing was melon pan. <laughs> I, it's just sugar bread. And it's like, I'd rather have the one, like the Mexican oh, okay, bread. Okay. Wait, did you, <sighs> did you get exposed to melon pan from uh, Shakugan no Shana? Shana. Yep. Yes. Yep, yep, yes, yep. of course. <laughs> because like, like it's so misleading it's so misleading. it's so misleading she's like so into it yeah. but it's really just because she has like a dumb fixation not yeah. because it's like an amazing i, snack. I placebo it's... effect myself into enjoying melon pond they're not i, I refuse to believe good. that it's not good no chocolate <laughs> cornets on the other hand those were those were life-changing i'm probably going to get another one like mm-hmm. next time i'm in the asian grocery yeah. store those are good but yeah melon pan and i don't think it was even shot like i i think it, what it is is the way it looks and especially the way that like sh- anime makes it look, mm-hmm. it's just it, it looks a lot better than it. I actually haven't seen is. Melon Pond in anime in a long time. Now that I think about it, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's still a popular snack. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Over yeah. there, I definitely saw it like everywhere I went when I was in Japan. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I guess I don't. It's also see the it cheapest snack. Amount. I think. I think one loaf of Melon Pond oh, yeah. at Seven Eleven was like ninety nine yen. Oh yeah, it's super cheap. Well, all their pastries are super cheap. Yeah, but cheap. it was like, the cheapest of the cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like everything else. It what, what I love, what I love about Japanese snacks, specifically Japanese pastries, is that they go hog wild with the fillings and the oh, colors. Yeah. You can get like the, I am so disappointed savory pastries are not more just widespread in the US. Mm. Uh, cuz you can get like cheesy hot dog pastries you can get pizza buns you can get like yeah like yakitori fucking buns and like stuff there's just so much variety right i i remember the the salmon filled buns salmon buns <laughs> yeah. like like pastry oh wait no i think like i think that's onigiri and it's, yeah that's yeah, onigiri. yeah i feel yeah. Mm, unless it was like smoked salmon yeah. I, I guess i could see it in the pastry yeah. but um so that's another thing that mm-hmm. <laughs> i i I guess I still see it sometimes, but I feel like it was a lot more prevalent uh, in like '90s and early 2000s series, right. where you'd see characters fighting over bread in the cafeteria. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was always fun, and you know what? Those breads lived up to the hype. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yaki you can see why people fight over like, it. it. Yeah, yeah. 
It's good. They and are curry cold bread. Meals. Oh my god, they're so good. Um, yeah, and I guess I can. Yeah, I, I, like you said, I can definitely see, and I think it's fun for me, just having grown up, watching these shows, sharing in that reaction and being like, yeah, this is as good as it looks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess the reverse of that one series that I enjoyed, what it did is that it took very mundane dishes and kind of renewed your appreciation for them, and that was, uh, other world. Re- Restaurants in Another World. Really? Isekai, uh, <laughs> watching? I forget the Japanese. What was that? I, is that worth watching? I know the one you're talking yeah. about. The the Isekai Isekai. Right, yeah. yeah. So, well, <laughs> yeah. there's the Isekai Isekai. That's a different show. That's a short form. And then there's Isekai... I forget the wor- Japanese word for a restaurant. But the English name is Restaurant in Another World. Uh, the, okay. the art has, hmm. like, a blonde demon girl and, like, a long black hair girl and then some dude on it. But anyways, mm-hmm. what it did, basically, the premise, what, first of all, whether, actually, I'll, I'll give the premise, and then I'll let you decide from there. So the premise is that there is a, an izakaya, essentially, that every Sunday night, its front door connects to this fantasy world. And so it basically <laughs> opens up for business for this fancy world, for the denizens of that world to come in. Right, and right. then the owner of the shop will cook our world's foods for them. And what this means is that uh, all these people coming in from this other world haven't had our food at all. And so mm-hmm. he's pr- he can prepare some really mundane thing, such as just like, uh, I'm trying to remember any specific. It's been a while. It's been like three sandwich. years since it came out. But I think there was like, so an elf came in. And mm-hmm. so she, she walks in and she immediately sees all these people eating these meat dishes and so forth. And she's like, oh, you barbarians eating meat. I, I should have <laughs> expected better from – I don't know why I expected better from this place. And she starts to turn around. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, hold on. We, have, we can make a vegetarian dishes for you. And he makes a tofu salad for her essentially. And okay. I, I can't share in the joy of tofu salad. This is just the one example I can remember specifically. But mm-hmm. the, what, the base – oh, wait, no, it was a tofu steak. It was a tofu steak he made for her. Oh, yeah, okay. Which okay. is a bit yeah, more yeah. special, I remember now. And so the the joy she, that appears on her face of having a tofu steak for the first time, that hmm. she could have something like that, that that's oh, tasted okay. succulent like that, but still not be made of meat, it was super well done. And so basically all these mundane dishes, it showed what people um, people's reactions having them for the first time. And it makes you think, like, man, I've been having these – um, these foods all my life and it gets to the point where sometimes food can just be an automatic response it's just something you do routine you don't really think about what you're eating you're just mm-hmm. eating to fill your stomach but then you you see these people react in the way they do and it makes you think like wow like yeah these foods they may not be the most grandiose special thing ever but they have mm-hmm. value to them still they have they have more than just they're more than just bare nutrients to get you to live and it makes you appreciate the food you eat a bit more. And so I really enjoyed that about that show for sure. So I, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. recommend the show is what I would conclude that on. Okay. So it follows more of like the, I guess, the, like you were saying, uh, the kinds of dishes that you take, maybe take for granted. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. The, the dishes you take for granted. Yes. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, what was fun about anime? Oh, boy. And finally trying it for myself was seeing how wild they get with crepes. Too. Oh yes, 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 yes. Like it's 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 a whole other ballpark. It's a whole other game. The menus there. are enormous, and they're they're gigantic, and it's just they're a full meal. I, they they are, which is 
so crazy. And I don't, I don't know if it's like a difference in culture. Um, like if they just want to have, or like they, they have more fun with food or like, like experimenting more, or if that exists here in the West as well. And I just, I feel like I'm ignorant to it then. I don't know. Crepes or the crepes in that style? Well, or? well, just like, I guess weird food and ju- oh. not weird, uh, but like kind of out there. I wouldn't hmm. describe crepes that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess continue talking. We'll, we'll, work, we'll work through this. But I, I guess it, what, what's, what's neat for me with Japan is there's all of the variety there with their food. And it's still all very uniquely Japanese, yes, whereas yes. here in the U.S., it feels like, all right, here is your variety. You want Indian food, you want Korean food, you want German food, you want Japanese. Just different nationalities and ethnicities rather than, all right, here is what we have. Let's find like 900 different ways to make it. Yes, that's that's a good way of putting it for sure. And there, there are merits to both of them, of course, like where sometimes you want the authentic ethnic. But also, nine times out of ten, what you – are thinking is authentic ethnic at a restaurant isn't actually authentic. But anyways, mm-hmm. that's besides the point. And then sometimes, yeah, you want to experiment a little bit to fuse things together. There's a restaurant near nearby me that is a Korean-Mexican fusion place. And I, I love it. It's I, really I good. can see that yeah, working. It's really I can good. see that working. So that mm-hmm. kind of experimentation is what it gets you excited about food again, essentially. Mm-hmm. Although one thing that didn't get me excited, and I, I still haven't tried it, and I don't want to try it, but I'm morbidly curious Nato? about natto. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Natto, I guess it's pronounced, yeah. It's just, uh, have you tried no, it? No, I haven't, but it's definitely on my bucket list of things to do, too, just to c- uh, check that off the list. Oh, no. Yep. But, just how bad yeah. is it actually? That and durian. I haven't <laughs> had durian yet. Durian? Oh, durian's pretty bad. Yeah, it, it's, it smells as bad as people make it out to be. Yep, that's it's I, pretty bad. Yep, I, I, but, I probably won't brace myself enough, but I'll try. But, yeah, it's like a lot of the enjoyment from you know, watching, like, seeing food in anime is just, there, there is a certain kind of enjoyment that you get from seeing people enjoy food. Exactly. So you enjoy it by proxy. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, I haven't watched that much of the so- the Shokigeki anime because it was mm-hmm. too over the top for me. Like, I, c- I could do that in manga. Really? I, could, I couldn't take it in anime form, but manga was that, fine. All right, that's fair. But that's I, fair. I would argue that the over the top reactions in Soma are so over the top that you don't get that kind of that living vicariously through them because it's so it's so e- extra it's so extra where you you, yeah. you think something's like a little more muted would be easier yeah, to be and, like okay yeah i get it and that's why i really like the restaurant another world because the reactions were very sometimes they were very boisterous but other times they were just like their eyes kind of light up and they just kind of like this their mouths curl up into a smile. They're just like genuinely happy. <laughs> it just warms your heart to see. Whereas in Soma, it's just like, okay, their clothes flew mm. off and that, that'll never happen to me. Probably, they're they're, so. they're telling you it's delicious. Yeah. Where yeah. instead of showing you that's delicious, essentially. Mm-hmm. 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 But that, I mean, that's what's fun about your camp, right? Is like, they don't, they don't ever, I don't think they ever actually talk about the taste no, yeah. of the food, but you just see Nadashiko like, cuddling up in her blanket and like just taking down hot pot and it's like yeah, and oh my and her god stupid that little looks mouth, like just curling up into smiles in like, it's like that looks delicious mm-hmm. yeah oh actually speaking of that i don't know if you've tried them yet but uh 
as we were walking around in the Asian grocery store uh, near where we live, we ran into curry cup noodles. Curry and cup noodles. I don't the think one that they that. have in the first episode. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the one that uh, yeah, Brynn had like an extra cup. She yeah. gave it to Nadishigo, and they they she's like over the moon about it, and she like loves the flavor and the taste of it. And I thought that was just because she's a dumb, hungry little idiot, which <laughs> but she, she is. is. <laughs> uh, Let's not get that wrong. Her. <laughs> yeah, no illusions about that. But she is not over exaggerating. <laughs> I tried it, and it is. I I actually like completely get her reaction and it like oh my god it's it's also the perfect fall winter food because it it seems like it yeah so i i assume you've had like you've had cup noodles yeah. like yeah. maruchan and like other stuff like that this is a cup noodle where all of the water goes into making a sauce okay i can see it makes that, a yeah. curry sauce there was no broth at all it's just a heaping pile of warm, dense curry noodles with bits of starch and vegetables and like tiny bits of meat, and you just eat it and like on a cold night and you feel it radiate warmth from out you because the curry's a little bit spicy and oh, it just completely encapsulated everything I enjoy about Yurukim. <laughs> and then made you and sad that there wasn't more still. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially when I finished it. It was good. But I, I honestly, like, I wonder if my, like, watching Eurocam kind of colored my expectations or if I enjoyed it even more because of it. Right. But my, like, every time I eat, I, I've eaten, like, two more of them <laughs> since. Um, and we first started eating them last week. They're great. But every time I eat them, it's just, like, my mind immediately goes back to Eurocam. That it's just... That, it's and that, yeah, it's when when food becomes associated with memories, good memories specifically, not, not mm. bad memories, good <laughs> memories. Like that's mm. when they take on a new meaning, and that meaning adds a different kind of flavor to them, a different kind of value. Mm. And that's that that's why people always crave Mama's home cooked meal, regardless mm. of how they prepare it, how good they actually are. They, it holds memories for them, and that's why it's important to them. And so similar, similar facets to that i'm trying to yeah. think there's no there's no specific food that i can think of unfortunately that i associate with a specific memory which is kind of sad <laughs> like i, I will mm. say that i feel like no i haven't had salmon prepared in any way that's better than the way my mom has in the past mm. I, I guess mm. that holds a memory every time i have salmon i'm just disappointed by it because it's not <laughs> okay let's go okay yeah. okay yeah yeah and see it's a it, like it, it's such a because there's so many senses related to it, like it sticks all the more out to you in your own personal memory, which is why you know when we see shows like um, Restaurant Another World, or we we talked about this in a previous episode, Sweetness and Lightning, mm -hmm. where all of the food is about evoking an emotional experience, and even something like Yuru Camp, like just the sheer unbridled joy whenever Nadashiko is eating food, like it's not about the food necessarily it's about the emotions it creates mm -hmm. exactly and that's when food sticks out all the more um and uh, so even in like miyazaki movies right so you see all of like the wonderful food that's being prepared but the context that they're placed in is this sense of warmth this sense of home and belonging and family that there's just it, it evokes very powerful emotions mm -hmm. 
absolutely that's that's i i have nothing to add to that exactly it's just like <laughs> when food evokes emo because mm-hmm. soma is a show about cooking uh, yeah whereas there's not really well yeah whereas these other shows we've list, listed so restaurant another world I guess sweetness and liking is also about cooking, but it's also equally about the enjoyment of food itself as well. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I get yeah, much yeah. more so enjoyment are, out of that than right. the cooking process. Exactly, exactly. So you'll you'll have shows like some, and I'm sure there have been other ones, but even examples where you know we're referencing like like in Lucky Star Wars, like they're talking about chocolate cornets and uh, candies and stuff like that. That that's more about like knowing what those dishes are um, and talking about them, and those are the focus rather than how it fits into our life mm-hmm. um although it's it, it it still inhabits a similar kind of spirit but i it just goes to show how like food is such a prevalent force in so many aspects of life that's universal can, yeah it's universal and you can find so many different ways to talk about it exactly could not have said it better myself so you haven't had lunch yet have you though you just woke oh, up God. Speaking well, yes, but I also had like massive amounts of hot pot oh, last night, so I'm still okay. digesting that. All have right. you gone to? Have you have you ever done that like oh, Mongolian oh, yeah. hot pot? Oh, or? Yeah. yeah, I've done Mongolian hot pot. I was thinking of a different one, but yeah, I've done various kinds of hot pot, and I I adore it. It's great. I love mushrooms. Mushrooms soak up the broth so well. I already ate lunch though, so I can't get hot pot at least not for lunch. Maybe for dinner. Wow, you just gotta starve yourself that way. You make it worth it. Exactly. Well, with that, that's going to be a wrap for our episode this week. It's time to talk about Goombastomp.com. Besides the lovely website that this podcast is a part of and is hosted on, it's also host to a plethora of various different articles that's on not just on anime. We also have video games. We have TV. We have uh, movies. All sorts of pop culture kind of related things. We pride ourselves on writing things on topics that we care about. We don't want to write just clickbaity kind of uh, shallow pieces. So all of our articles are things that we actually care about. And so if you enjoy our podcast, definitely go and check out Goombastomp.com for any sort of things that might catch your interest. I just posted a retrospective on the Bakemono Katari series. Uh, Kyle, have you posted anything recently? Uh, I've been... I, I did my PAX coverage, which right, yes. like kind of took a lot out of me. Yeah. Uh, but I am working on a. There are a couple indie games coming out, so uh, look forward to impressions on those. Oh, well, I guess if we're talking about. We didn't talk about what games we're playing, but I've been playing oh, yeah. Indivisible. Yes. And it's kind of underwhelming. Oh no! I'm sorry. Meanwhile, I've. <laughs> I'm, been, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, and I've been playing Trails of Cold Steel three for review, and that's which all has been I can overwhelming. say. Overwhelming. That's all I can <laughs> say about that until the fifteenth. So look forward to my. My full thoughts on that game, then. I will say, Are you going to finish it by then? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I will say, though, that Trails of Cold Steel is one of my favorite JRPG franchises of all time. I just wrote an article on the first game comparing it to Three Houses. If you enjoyed Fire Emblem Three Houses, specifically the Academy aspect of it, do not sleep on Trails of Cold Steel. It is equally as good, if not more so. All right. With that, that is a wrap. So, Kyle, where can we find you at? I heard you almost say Harry. I heard that. <laughs> Caught I heard in it my throat. In your, I heard it throat. in your voice. I always thought um, of Harry, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you can find me at Harry under... No. You can find me at like the rogue on Twitter. Uh, and that's it. Uh, recommend... Well, no, that's you. 
You do the well. You steal it anyways. You can go. I do sometimes. Wow, God, what what have I been watching? Um, I mean, Fire Force is fun, but yeah, I guess I don't have any like new recommendations. Uh, oh, actually, for manga, I'm gonna. You know what? I'll give manga recommendations because I right. read a lot of manga. Right. You should read Pseudo Harem. Um, Pseudo Harem is a very fun short four page like semi or like some yeah semi weekly comic about a uh, girl and her senpai, and she, they're, they're both in an acting club, uh, or theater club, and uh, they basically, like, make fun of the harem genre, where, like, she acts out different archetypes, so she plays, like, a sundere, a kudere, and all of that, because um, she's infatuated with her senpai, and, like, they, they do some fun, sweet, slice-of-life rom-com gags with it. It's a very cute, very easy and fun to digest series read it how many chapters are out uh there are it's like on chapter 60 at this point and they're all like four pages so you can finish it in like an hour or two i see oh it's it's not a four coma though it's just like it's no it's not a four coma um but it's it's like four pages interesting all right yeah it's fun very cute all right there you have it you can find me at musing mojack m-u-s-i-n-g-m-o-j-a-c-k on twitter you can also find me on Goobman Stomp, like we said. I'm the anime editor. Kyle is the indie game editor for the site. And my recommendation, we've talked about a lot of shows uh, on this episode. Uh, we talked pretty extensively about Bunny Girl Senpai. Well, so there's that. And I was, I was going to say Chiaya Furu, but we also, I also already recommended that in a previous episode. So I will settle oh, on Erased because Erased is definitely a very, very good suspense, murder, is it? Okay. mystery, okay. thriller uh i w- the ending does kind kind of leave a little bit to be desired but overall i was that's ex- what i've heard yeah i was extremely satisfied with the okay. series as a whole ending could have been better but it didn't detract greatly from what the series had accomplished up until that okay. point so i'll leave with that all right that's a wrap well, there we go thank you for joining us and we will see you next episode ciao